0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to ToledoCalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. I got a voicemail recently, and I I went to delete it, and I realized that I'd had some voicemails kind of back up on my phone, and I hadn't cleared them out in a while. Do you ever have that happen? And so I I started looking, you know, because you get them, you get sales calls and they leave a voicemail. Sometimes you get these political calls. Anybody getting those? Oh, you've been blessed. Okay, so that was I did not expect that much bitterness. So that, that's that's that. And then sometimes you just get like you know, hey, you get that robot that says this is a reminder that your appointment will be Tuesday. You know that kind of that kind of thing. So I'm cleaning them out, and I got to one where a friend had called me, and uh, they just left a little encouraging note. Just said something encouraging. And I went to delete it and I said, Oh, I don't want to do that. Like, I want to keep that one. And I scrolled through a little bit more and cleaned one out. And there was one from a friend that came about a year ago. And I couldn't bring myself to delete it. It was a simple voice message. He had just said, Hey, man, when you get a chance, you give me a call. But he's since passed away. So that's what I have of him. And, And sometimes you have people's words that mean something. And because they have so much power, you don't want to dismiss them. What's been interesting to me, and I don't think I'd ever seen this before as we're working our way through the book of Matthew, we've gotten out of Matthew chapter five. Jesus hasn't said much, right? He, he, he has a little exchange with John the Baptist in chapter three, then in chapter four, you, you get the interaction that he has at the temptation with the devil. He preaches this, this just very very short few words sermon in Matthew chapter four. And then when we get to chapter five, six, and seven, he talks nonstop. It's the sermon on the mount. And this is incredible teaching that he gives to us. But what struck me this week is that these are the very words of Jesus. This wasn't just some scholar. It wasn't just some wise historical figure. This was God himself come in human flesh who's teaching us. So I don't wanna minimize the power of these words. This isn't just some other wisdom book. This, this is looking at the words of Jesus. That's why we've called this series Flip the Script, right? Because we're treasuring these words from him because when Jesus gave us the Sermon on the Mount that we're beginning to look at in Matthew chapter five, he literally flips things upside down. He literally takes the common teaching of the world, the culture of his time, and and I would propose even of our time, and he flips it. It's revolutionary. It is world-changing. These have been words that have literally changed history and humanity. And the first nine statements he makes in this Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five, all begin with the word blessed. We call them the Beatitudes. Last week, we looked at the first three On Sunday, And then on Wednesday night, we had our first Wednesday service. We do that the first Wednesday of every month. And we looked at the fourth beatitude and we had just a really special time in God's presence. And I would encourage you, if you weren't able to be with us, kind of make it a priority to be with us for that next first Wednesday. It'll be the, the first Wednesday in November and just a really powerful time together in the Lord's presence. And uh, today we're gonna look now at the next three of those beatitudes. And we're gonna jump into these. They're these statements Jesus makes. They all begin with the word blessed. So let's just look at them. Three more today, Matthew chapter five, beginning with verse seven. Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now, last week, we looked at this trio of Beatitudes that really all had to do with understanding our need for God in ourselves. And when we looked at them, we, we took a perspective to go, look, if you don't follow these statements of blessing, they're, they're gonna keep God's blessing from coming into your life. So last week, we looked at three things that can block the blessing of God in your life. And that was helpful for us to look at. I would rather be more positive this week. Can I get an Amen. <laughs> Because I don't want to just block the blessing of God in my life. I want to build the blessing of God in my life. Anybody else? Like, here's the deal. I, I'm, I'm going to guess that for most of us. And we said this last week. Most of us, we want God's blessing. That's why we're a part of this service. That's why we're sitting in this building today. We want God's blessing in our lives. So when we look at these beatitude statements, today we're going to look at three things that can build the blessing of God in your life. What we can do to move that blessing forward, Jesus is gonna tell us this, these are his words. Let's hear what he has to say. The first one comes from verse seven, Matthew chapter five, verse seven. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. The the first thing we can do that will build the blessing of God in our lives, number one, is mercy. Is to show and express mercy to others. And I suppose you're probably asking the question, what do you mean when you say mercy? And it has to deal with these aspects of how we interact with one another, that we're kind to people in serious need, that we show generosity and emotional identification. Sometimes that we let people make a fresh start, that we give forgiveness or release them of their indebtedness. I've shared the story before, and it's the first thing that comes to my mind. I remember when I was in, uh, seminary. I had this huge paper that was due. It was basically the, the, the weight of the whole course of your grade landed on this paper, and I had worked very hard to prepare it the night before. Does anybody else have the spiritual gift of procrastination? Anybody else? And I got it done. I was pretty proud of it, and I sat down on the couch, and I said to myself, I'm just gonna close my eyes for a minute and woke up when the class for that day was over when I was supposed to give my presentation and I remember going into that professor and I kind of spelled out everything that was going on in our life in that season and, the, and it was really, it was a really unique kind of difficult um, time and, and, I, and I walked it through. And you know what he gave to me? He gave me <laughs> mercy. And it affected my grade, but he could have failed me. He could have just made me take the whole class over and yet in that moment, I got some mercy. Isn't mercy a wonderful thing? <laughs> I mean, it's a gift that we give to another person. I sat and had breakfast with a friend recently, and he's, he's this kind of guy. He's done this before. I sat down in the booth in the restaurant. We, we exchanged small talk. We hadn't seen each other in about a year or so. And then he slides this book across the table to me. He says, you ever read this? I said, no. He says, you're gonna love it. I, I love this book. Here, I got, I got you this copy. It's a gift for you. And he, he just has a way of doing that. There's a generosity in his spirit. And it's a wonderful thing to be around someone like that. When, when was the last time you were face to face with someone and you literally were able to kinda slide some mercy their way as a wonderful gift and offer that to them. And it really is a gift because mercy, and and I think you would agree with this, is not getting what you deserve. (laughs) When you get what you deserve, that's not necessarily mercy. Mercy is that idea, and oftentimes mercy and grace go hand in hand of forgiveness. Not because you deserve it, because it's given out of mercy, It's kindness, not because you're so wonderful or you've earned it, but but that's mercy. That's what it looks like. Back in 1964, the city of East Orange, New Jersey, made the news because the police were notified and told the media that they were going to issue these arrest warrants for people. There were 26 people that they were basically hunting down because between those 26 people, they had 80 Overdue library books. Can you imagine that? And the police were gonna call these people and say, you have this period of time to come into the police station and turn yourself in or we will come to your house and arrest you, you library thieves, you. And the the reason it was news is because the police department had said, hey, look, we're gonna take it easier than last time because three years before they had done that and they had gone to 14 homes and knocked on the doors in the middle of the night, pulled people out of bed and drugged them to jail because of their overdue library books. Aren't you thankful for mercy? <laughs> Sometimes we just make a big deal over things that you go, did you really have to make a big deal about that? Mercy says, look, Sometimes what God wants me to do, what he wants me to extend, is not what you deserve. Do you deserve to go to prison because you kept that copy of Tom Sawyer too long? I don't know. But the reality is, mercy says, I'm I'm not gonna give you what you deserve. Instead, I'm gonna extend mercy. Now, here's the trick with mercy. Mercy is not easy because it's gonna cost you something. Mercy is not easy, especially when you're under pressure. When things are coming at you fast, when there's a lot of noise, when you've got that difficult moment with your neighbor or your coworker or in the parking lot, when you come up against these situations, our default mode isn't always to slip into mercy in the midst of all of that. And it's not easy, but it's what Jesus has asked us to make as a hallmark of a life that is blessed. I, I, my memory's short sometimes. I don't know if I told you this. Did I tell you I'm a grandfather now? Did I tell anybody that? Did I mention to you that I'm a grandpa? Had I told you that? I had mentioned it, okay? I couldn't remember. Um, Okay, I'm gonna tell you again. I just became a grandfather recently and uh, um, it's been cool to spend some time at Daniel and Carissa's with, with this little guy, Lewis, who's awesome and then they've, they've made a trip to our house for the first time and so that's kind of cool and it's neat to just kind of be around and it's, it's so key. I mean, he's just such a wonderful little guy. I'm his favorite. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's just so cool but it's been a lot of years since we had a baby around the house And I had kind of forgotten that they're not just cute all the time, right? (laughs) Sometimes they get fussy. And so the thing is, when Lewis gets a little fussy, our first thought is, what's going on? Like, why is he he like this? And you start to try to figure it out, right? Like, is it that he's hungry? Or does he need changed? Is he just kind of maybe just tired? Like, this, this little guy's been on a tour of meeting all kinds of family and friends and different people, right? So he's kind of a little overstimulated. Sometimes we just wonder, is he, is he a little gassy? Like, can I get an amen, anybody, right? Sometimes I'm just convinced he just wants me. <laughs> but what we do is we stop and we go, what's going on with this little guy? Because for some reason, he's struggling. We don't just say to him, quit acting like a baby, right? We don't say that. Instead we go, what's going on? And out of, really, mercy, We do our best to help him. I don't stand there and judge him. I try to figure out how can I mercifully help him. What if we were that way with the other people in our lives? Not just babies. In that moment when we come to a moment of conflict or tension with someone else, instead of just saying, what's wrong with you? Why are you like this? What if we stopped and said, I wonder what they've been through. I wonder what's going on in their life. I wonder what factors I'm not considering. I wonder what this, this means to them or why they're acting like this. What if I were to put myself in their shoes and not just say, quit your whining and crying, quit your, and instead said, God, will you help me to understand how I can extend mercy to them? Does that make sense? Like, and it's not easy, but it is active. I want you to see, this. mercy is active. It's not just <clears throat> sitting there. It's something we choose to do. Like this thread of mercy runs all throughout scripture. And one of the classic passages is Micah, chapter six, verse eight, where God tells us that we are to show mercy. He says, God has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. We've been asked to be people who show mercy. And then Jesus makes us a really great promise he said, "Blessed are the merciful, for you will receive anybody <laughs> mercy. What you give is what you're going to get back. So consider it this way. When you show mercy, remember that mercy is an investment. You are making an investment when you show mercy. Now, I don't say that so that you'll be merciful just for what you can get, but I want you to think about this because when we show mercy, there's a promise from Jesus that when you are merciful, you will get mercy back in your life. Anybody ever needed it? Anybody else ever needed it? Right? We need mercy in our lives. And here's the deal, that promise from Jesus doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna get it from other people. Because sometimes we're prone to go, well I showed mercy, how come people aren't merciful to me? Well that's not the promise. The promise is as you show mercy, you're making an investment so that God can be merciful to you as well. Why do I call it an investment? If you take a seed and you plant it in the ground, you're investing that seed into the garden and that seed is going to die, but you believe that even though you can't see it or have it anymore, it's gonna produce fruit, true? Like if you take some some money, you take some cash, and you put it into a savings account, or you invest it in something that you expect a return from, when you put that money there, you no longer have it in your hands. Like you've made an investment, and you believe that someday, somehow you're gonna receive a return for that, but during that time, you don't have it. It's not there in that moment. And mercy works the same way. Like it's something that you give. It's not easy. It's active. It's probably gonna cost you something, but you believe that God is gonna bring that mercy back to you. This is a principle that we're gonna see over and over again, especially in the the gospel of Matthew, where Jesus is gonna help us to know that the way that you interact with other people is how it's gonna come back to you. So think about that. There's another passage we'll get to where he says that we we will forgive others in the same way that we have been, anybody? (laughs) Forgiven. Like there's this reciprocal thing that goes on when we extend that kind of forgiveness and grace and mercy to other people, we're literally making an investment and setting the course for how it's gonna come back into our own lives. So, So think about this for a minute. When has God shown you mercy? When have you seen it? When have you experienced it? And are you thankful for it? And now with that in mind, who needs mercy from you? Like who is it in your world that you're gonna interact with tomorrow on the job? Or as we're getting closer and closer to the holidays, you're gonna be spending time with them. Or it's somebody that just knows how to push your buttons. Or it's that person who keeps showing up in your world. And instead of being frustrated or thinking they're just a big baby, maybe God has put you there so that through you, his mercy can be extended to them. Jesus says, blessed, and remember, we want want blessing in our lives. Blessed are the merciful, for they'll be shown mercy. And and then we'll we'll move to the next one. here's, Here's Matthew chapter five, verse eight, kind of the next beatitude we're considering. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So if the, if the first thing we're looking at today that can build blessing in your life is mercy, the second one, number two, we'll just call purity. Number two is what we'll refer to as purity. And if we're gonna unpack what Jesus says, he says, blessed are the pure in heart, we kind of have to start there and go, what does he mean by that when he says the pure in heart? Well, well the heart is the internal core of a person. Like your heart is who you are on the inside, It's what's going on, not just on the outside, not just external, not just what other people see or what we want them to see, but what Jesus is saying here is the thing you need to be concerned about here is not what is on the outside, but it's what's on the inside. And so he says it's the pure in heart who will see God, who will be blessed, and a pure heart is clean before God. If you have a pure heart, it means that your heart is clean before God. It means that you've asked him for forgiveness and that you're doing your best in your life to live in such a way so that you honor him in the things that you do and that you live in purity. But one of the things that's that's fun to remember when you're reading through, especially Matthew's gospel, is that over and over again, Jesus is saying things that when he says them, it triggers something else for the people he's talking to because they know the Old Testament. Many of them actually would have huge portions of the Old Testament memorized and in their mind. So when Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, the Jewish people he's speaking to would immediately in their minds go to Psalm 24 that that says this. Psalm 24 verse three says, who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Can you see why they would have thought of this passage? Blessed are the pure in heart, he says the, the, those that have a pure heart, if we, if we can go back to that, that verse before, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god, it says they will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior, such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, because the pure in heart will see who? <laughs> They'll see God, seek your face, God of Jacob. So he says there that, look, if, if you want to live your life in a way that honors God, then, then you need to do it with clean hands, that's what you do, and a pure heart, that's who you are, that your trust is in God, not in false idols, that he will bring you blessing and vindication. Anybody want blessing in your life? Help me. <laughs> Anybody ever needed vindication from God? Anybody? You ever been in a situation where you said God, you're the only one who can sort this out? All these things are promised, on top of seeing the face of God, to those who have a pure heart. So how do you have it, Chad? Well, purity begins with the internal, not the external. Purity begins with the internal, what's going on inside of you, and not the external, which is what others can see. Why stress that? Because some of us may come from a background, a family, or a faith tradition, where everything that was emphasized was was what was on the outside and not what was on the inside. It was all about what people thought. It was all about ritual and routine. It was about keeping the rules so that you kept up appearances, but not truly about what was going on on the inside. Does that make sense? And Jesus says, look, that's, that's not what a relationship with me is all about. So he says, look, a relationship with me starts with a purity of heart, what's going on inside of you, not just with others, think of you. So for some of us, that might come from our family or from our faith background. For all of us, I think it's a tricky thing because what social media has done for us is constantly put our life in a comparison mode. And oftentimes, what, what we see of others or what we wanna portray of ourselves is all the good stuff that just a a Facebook post or an Instagram photo or or a reel or a story is not gonna tell the whole real story. But we focus on the outside and we compare ourselves in those ways instead of what Jesus says, look on the inside. And let's just be honest, I mean, this is human nature, isn't it? Because human nature is, I don't necessarily want you to know everything that's going on on the inside. And oftentimes, my struggles on the inside are not gonna correlate with the the facade that I put out there on the outside. And I can live a life that isn't real, and that life that isn't real actually isn't pure in heart before God. See, one aspect of purity before God means that I live in a way that is right, that is holy, that is pure before God. But the other idea behind pure is that it is whole, that it is complete, that what is on the inside matches the outside, and not that those two are in dissonance or that they're in conflict with each other. Does that make sense? Like this is a stressful thing that Jesus brings here. He's putting this out there and he says, I want you to be pure in heart before God because that's when you'll be able to see him. I don't know, when I think of purity, the first thing that comes to my mind is drinking water. Anybody else? Like if I'm going to drink something, I want it to be pure. I've I've been in some different countries where I've drank the water, sometimes unknowingly, it was a bad move because it wasn't pure and it affected me deep on the inside <laughs> do i need to say any more okay <laughs> i grew up in a little town called southington outside of warren ohio and uh, it still is largely just kind of a little farm town and at that time and in many parts of the community even still water comes from wells and so you have to you have to drill a well that's where your well that's where your water's going to come from and one of the things that that area is known for is it has real deep sulfur deposits So the beauty of that is you get fresh water that smells like rotten eggs, right? And you didn't want it. Like our school was like that. You'd go to the drinking fountain to get a drink and you would need the water, but you would get the rotten eggs for free. It was nasty to the point that you didn't even wanna drink because it wouldn't kill you, but it just wasn't pure. And in our lives, we need to ask the question, does our inside match up to our outside? John Stott, in his commentary on the the Sermon on the Mount, says this, and I thought this was really insightful. He says, how few of us live one life and live it in the open. We're tempted to wear a different mask and play a different role according to each occasion. And that's not reality, but play acting, which is the essence of hypocrisy. Some people weave around themselves such a tissue of lies that they can no longer tell which part of them is real and which is make believe. And this idea of being the same on the inside as you are on the outside is a huge, huge deal. Because if there's a, if there's a conflict between those two of those things, like if you're, if you're not really pure in heart, then it just kinda messes things up and it's gonna frustrate you And can I tell you, if you're one thing on Sunday and something different on Tuesday, it's gonna confuse your family. And it's gonna disillusion your friends. And at some point, it's gonna wreck your testimony. And at some point, we have to ask the question, is who I am in private the same as who I am in public? Am I pure in heart before God? Because that's when I'll be able to see him. These These are glasses that I wear when I drive at night because they helped me to be able to see a little bit better at a distance and kind of clear things up a little bit. And I did not expect that today would help me to see so many of you so far away, so much better. <laughs> oh, that's where they sleep, right up there. Oh, interesting. <laughs> okay. Huh. And uh, I don't wear glasses much anymore. I did, when I was a kid, I, I really need the help to see, but I've been wearing contacts since I was in middle school, I've been wearing them for a long time, but I don't wear them that often, so when I do, I I kinda, I'm always kinda messing with them and adjusting them, and I fail to realize how often I actually touch them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like, how how do they seem to get so, like, messy when they're just here on my face, and at some point, you're just like, ah, I got a little smudge here. When I did wear glasses, I had a friend in school who thought he was funny, because he used to kinda sneak up on you, and he, anybody ever have one of those when somebody does that? Just so gross and nasty. Don't you do that to anybody in the atrium, you hear me? And uh, the problem is what you keep doing when you touch it on the outside like that is in, as you're looking out from the inside, everything's skewed and it doesn't look right. And you have a hard time seeing those things. And you can't, you can't see exactly what you're trying to focus on and it changes the clarity and it messes things up. And at some point, what you need to do is you wanna make sure that the outside is is as clean as the inside and that the inside matches up to what's going on on the outside because it's only in those moments that you can truly see clearly um, what's going on. And this is what happens in the world around us and this is why Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart because the pure in heart will see God for now and forever is the promise in scripture. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. The pure in heart will see God for now and forever. What do you mean by forever, Chad? Well, this this comes to us from a passage in Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22 is the very end of the whole book. It's the very end of the world when we get to heaven and we read, no longer will there be any curse and the throne of God and of the lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him and they will see his face. They will see his face and his name will be upon their foreheads. Can you imagine when we see Jesus' face? Like We'll be face to face with him. No more of this. We walk by faith and not by sight. We'll see Him. And the pure in heart, the promise is. Don't miss this because so much of life is not about today. So much of life is about the future, how we live today and how it affects our eternity. And the pure in heart someday, face to face, are gonna see God. But I don't think it's just for that, that blessed promise is not just for tomorrow or the future, I believe it's for today. Because I don't know about you, but I, I know that I won't probably see Jesus face to face today, but I know when his face is, is upon me. Does that make sense? Like I know when I have relationship with him, when I'm communicating with him, when, when, I, when things are right between me and him. And that the face of God is before me. Scripture talks about this over and over again. And I want to be pure in heart so that when I make decisions tomorrow or when I face challenges this next week or when we're working through an issue in our life or in our business or whatever, that I have the face of God before me. And it's not all marred up like those glasses with fingerprints, but that I can see him clearly. Does that make sense? Because think about it. When you have a good relationship with somebody you're able to look at them and have a conversation face-to-face. You can make eye contact and you can communicate in that way. But what happens when you have an issue with them? When there's a challenge between the two of you? It's, it's hard to have that same face-to-face. Often it's like, hey man, good, good, to, good to see you. Right, we, we, we have a hard time making eye contact. We have a hard time communicating clearly because there's this issue between us. And when there's that issue between us, we don't necessarily see them. In fact, we have poor communication. Oftentimes, it means we feel distant. We start to get a sense of disappointment in the relationship, and if we're not careful, that whole thing builds to some kind of resentment. And that doesn't just happen between me and you in relationship, that can happen between us and God. And if we let those things stay there, where there's this challenge between what's going on inside and outside in our lives, it will actually cause us to not be able to see God the right way, which sometimes leads to bad decisions and broken relationships and missed opportunities and lots of regret. But that's not what God wants. God wants us to see him face to face and that starts with a pure heart. Not my words, these are Jesus' words. And he would ask you, what's going on in your heart? Is there a purity of heart there so that clearly you can see God? Three things that'll build blessing in our lives. We talked about mercy, we've talked about purity. Let's go to the third one. Matthew chapter five, verse nine says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And, and the third thing we're gonna look at that builds a blessing in our lives, one's mercy, two is purity, number three is peace. And there's power in being a peacemaker. Quick little poll. Any of you that have had siblings or family situations, it always seems that there's someone who is the peacemaker in the midst. Anybody? Raise your hand if you're, you're usually the peacemaker. I believe that about some of you. Uh, okay, yeah. You're the peacemaker. Here's something that's interesting. Peace is a constant theme of scripture. Like over and over again in scripture, you see the idea of peace. It's all throughout what Jesus teaches. It's all throughout what the epistles talk about. It's the common thread of the Old Testament. It's that word shalom that we talk about. It's what God desires for us. Because when we have shalom, when we have peace, then things are right and things are well. They're good between us and God. They're good between us and other people. It's a, it's a vertical thing. It's a horizontal thing. It means that things are complete and they're whole. Peace is so important that when you look at Jesus' business card, one of the descriptions on there, it says he is the prince of peace. He doesn't have a business card, by the way. I mean, this is it right here, so just so you know it. But there's this, uh, there's this supposition in that beatitude that there won't always be peace, right? Because the only reason you need a peacemaker is if somewhere there's a peace breaker, that, that there will be people and places and things that will come our way that will disrupt peace in our lives and in our families. It's, it's all over the headlines in our world. There's peace being broken all over, all the time, but the children of God aren't peace breakers they're to be peacemakers. When peace is threatened, God's children are peacemakers. That's who we are called to be. So this is a stress all throughout scripture. Like, Like look at this, we'll look at three passages real quick here, Psalm 34 verse 12 tells us that whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days. Anybody wanna live a good life, anybody? then this this matters for us. Then keep your tongue from evil, your lips from telling lies, turn from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it. He says, look, here's the secret. You, You wanna live a long, happy life? One of the key parts is you need to seek peace in your life. Look for that, pursue it. Paul takes that into the New Testament and says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone, now, there's some key things he says here. One of the things he says is, if it is possible, the, the, the challenge with peace is it's never just a one-sided thing, is it? Because sometimes you wanna have peace and the other party does not. So what he's saying is, look, there will be times when peace is not possible, not because of you, but because of somebody else. You ever been in a situation like that? Anybody? We you just go, peace just doesn't seem possible here. He says, look, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, Paul does not let you off the hook here. He says, look, sometimes peace is impossible, but don't you, don't you take that as an out. Don't you say, well, it'll never work because they're a jerk, right? Do you know what I mean? What he says here is, look, you do your part. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with the people you like. Can I get an amen? That's not what he says. He says, live at peace with everyone. So all of us in the tough situations we find ourselves in are called to be peacemakers, and that is tough because we will find ourselves coming face to face with peace breakers in our lives over and over again. And one of the things that we need to learn is where do those things come from? And sometimes we need to eliminate some of those circumstances from our lives, but there's some people that are peace breakers that you just can't get rid of, true? Like, like you're not necessarily gonna move or change your job or, or skip Thanksgiving. But what we do need to learn is if there are places that promote a lack of peace, let's do our best to stay away from them so that we can shift what's a peacebreaker to being a peacemaker. Does that make sense? Don't go back over and over again to the thing that breaks the peace. Recently, there was a, dude who had gone to this state park in Utah called Antelope Island State Park. He'd been there over and over and over again. It was near his home, and uh, he he decided one day that he was going to hike to the highest point in the park. He says, I've probably done that 150 times. He was just kind of hiking along, and he got over a ridge, and when he did, he immediately saw that there were two bison right there in the middle of the trail, and he thought to himself, this is not good, but he knew what to do from past experience. So he ducked back down the ridge, hoping they didn't see him. They did. And one of them charged him, took its horns and gored him, kind of right in the hip, threw him in the air. When he landed, the bison was there and trampled on him. And he knew what to do. He just laid there and acted like he was dead because he knew that if he moved, the bison wouldn't stop. And he said the thing just hovered over him like snorting and breathing over him for a while. Finally turned, walked away, and uh, some hikers came by, they called in a helicopter, he was airlifted, he went to the hospital, and he really recovered very well, and uh, was in really good shape. During his recovery, I think online, he met this nice young lady, and so they started kind of corresponding and talking, and eventually they went out on a few dates, and one day he got a good idea and he said to her, hey, you wanna go see a beautiful sunset? I know a place at Antelope Island State Park. It's my favorite spot, so let's go. So they went there and they decided to go for a little run on the trail, and she kinda got a little bit of a head start. He was kinda fixing his shoes and stuff, and when he finally caught up to where she was, she'd been gored by a bison. Right there at that same spot, same, in that same park, in that place, Now she's okay, she's recovering, that kind of thing. But I wanna say to him, don't go back! Why do you keep going back there? And don't date this guy. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Ladies, I'll give you his name later. Look, don't keep going back there! If you know that's what you're gonna face. And he's like, I didn't know they were so aggressive. Well, now you do. And look, there will be times in our lives where we'll find ourselves in a spot, and we'll go, oh, I should've known. (laughs) I should've known that's how it was gonna go. And if that's the case, around Thanksgiving dinner, don't bring up what happened in 2003. Can I get an amen? Like, there are certain people that you need to go, I shouldn't have that conversation, or I need to be in the right frame of mind, or when I step into this, I know, God, that what you want to do through me is to bring peace and not division. I need your help. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says this it says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Now, let's just be honest. We don't want peace that's cheap. Like, sometimes it's difficult to have peace because other people won't extend it, true? Sometimes it's hard to move past that, and there will be moments when you will be a peacemaker, and it won't be received. Isn't that true about all these things? Like, if you choose to show mercy, is there a chance you'll be misunderstood? If you decide to live a pure life, could it be that you'll be misunderstood? If you choose in your life to be a peacemaker, there's a good chance you'll come up against people that the last thing they want (laughs) is peace. And you might wanna be a peacemaker, and instead you're just gonna be misunderstood or not accepted, or it might even sometimes seem like it just makes it worse. But at the end of the day, Jesus didn't promise us that the blessing would come in our relationships. He didn't promise us that everything would be easy if we do these things. He says the blessing comes because you're a part of my kingdom, not this kingdom. Does that make sense? And look at the progression. He says you will receive mercy and you will see the face of God and you will actually be the children of God. And other people might not understand when you make peace, but when you make peace, you are like your heavenly father. When you make peace you're most like God. You look like him, you act like him. When you make peace, you are like your heavenly father. So could it be that you're being called to be a peacemaker, even if it's misunderstood in a world that is fueled by division? Isn't our world fueled by division? But the question is not, will peace come easily? The question is, are you living in a way that God can bless your life? So where is it in your life that maybe Jesus is calling you to be a peacemaker? You can't help but read these passages, and remember these are the words of Jesus, and think about mercy and go, God thanks that you gave me mercy. I can't help but think about purity and be thankful for the cross of Jesus Christ. I can't help but talk about peace and know that that's peace that he brings. But it's not peace that we find in this kingdom. It's peace that can only be found in His and in relationship with Him. When I was in high school, I had a friend who, who lived in Wooster, Ohio. Have you ever heard of Wooster? Which is over kind of in Northeast Ohio. But if you've ever known anybody who's from there, you don't call it Wooster, <laughs> right? Yeah, we've got a native over here who's getting a little antsy because uh, it's not called Wooster. It's called Worcester. That's how you say it. That's how you know that you're a foreigner, if you say Worcester. I got a friend that lives up in the Boston area. There's a lot of communities like this up in Boston, Massachusetts. I says, how do you like living in Haverhill? He says, it's Haverhill. I says, no, it's not, I can read. It says Haverhill. And he says, I don't care if you can read, you're not from around here, it's Haverhill. Because when you go to different places, you do things in different ways. I've been to parts of South America or parts of Africa, very, very like warm climates. And you go there and you're prepared for the heat. And one of the things they tell you is, hey, don't wear shorts. What do you mean, don't wear shorts? It's 400 degrees here. It doesn't matter. In our culture, that's not acceptable. So when you come, don't wear shorts when I was in Southeast Asia, I didn't know this, but a lot of the the meetings, we'd we'd sit on the floor and one of the things they told us is, hey, be real careful because when you sit, if you point the bottom of your foot at someone, that's an insult. And so you need to sit in such, I was like, I I didn't know that. No, but that's how we do it here. Like we, we have certain ways that we say things. We have certain ways that we interact. We have certain ways that we represent ourselves, not because that's what we're Accustomed to, but because that's how it happens in this culture, that's how it happens in this community, that's how it happens in this kingdom. And that's the whole point of the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus is saying, in my kingdom, this is how we do things. In the world that I'm calling you to, it may be different from the world around you. You might have a world that kind of pushes against the idea of mercy or that chooses to live however they want or doesn't put a premium on peace. Instead, they want to be right or they want to win. Jesus says, in my kingdom, this is how we do it. And in my kingdom, the one that'll last forever, that's how you'll be blessed. So can you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for just a moment? Watching on a screen somewhere or sitting in the building today. And I I simply wanna, as we wrap up, I wanna pray through these beatitudes. And there may be a place as we go through this where you know that the holy spirit's speaking to you about something that happened last week or about something you know you're encountering this week and you need to say god i want to be blessed so would you help me with this so jesus your word tells us that blessed are the merciful for they'll receive mercy and lord some of us are in situations where there are people or there are circumstances that you have or will put in our path. And Lord, this this week, we wanna extend mercy. We want the same love and, and grace and forgiveness that Jesus gave to us to come through us into the lives of other people. So in the pressure of the moment, God, would you help us to be people who are merciful? Even for some of us right now, there are names, there are faces that are coming to our mind. Would you help us to determine now to extend mercy. And Jesus, you said, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. And Lord, instead of seeing you, some of us are just seeing a world that's, that's smudged up or that's not consistent from the inside to the outside. And Lord, would you help us to be pure in heart, to repent of the things that separate us from you. God, to, to change the things that aren't quite right in our lives and move in a direction So that as we make decisions, God, and as we live our lives, we would see you. And Jesus, you said, blessed are the peacemakers for they'll be called children of God. And Father, we wanna look like you. We wanna act like you. We we want people to go. Those, Those people remind us of Jesus. So would you help us to be peacemakers? Knowing that ultimately, God, we're not trying to win the day or please people, but we want to know that when we stand before you, you'll say, well done. That we'll have lived out our lives in a way where you can pour blessing into our lives as we seek not to break peace, but to make it. And Lord, ultimately, these beatitudes again bring us to a place where we know we can't do it without you. And so God, I pray for the one who's watching this or listening to this message and what they know they need more than anything is you. They need your forgiveness, they need your grace, they need your help today. Lord, we simply just say, Jesus, we need you. We give you our lives and ask that you would be at work in each one of us. Lord, as we take these these steps, would you build your blessing into our lives? And as a result, would we be a blessing to those that are around us? Lord, we thank you for your word as we go from here. Would you send us out with your special favor and with your wonderful peace? And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, we'll have some friends down here at the end of the service who would love the opportunity to pray with you if you have a need today. If you want to know more about how to be a follower of Jesus Christ and to surrender your life to him, maybe you need a Bible that you can easily read or understand, feel free to stop by. They'd love the opportunity to pray with you. Thanks for being here. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.